Hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Kaz, and you are listening to Two Boat Wash Knobs, the only wash podcast that knows a boat can float in water, but it can also sink in it. You have made it all the way to episode 188. Michael, how are you doing? How are you doing? How how are you doing? <laughs> it's good to be on a call again and talk, and my day is just a little bit better right now because day... we got to chat. Well, we just started talking, so... Don't have too much hope for your day. <laughs> Don't have to, I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to stay this, positive. For this Sunday, you know? <laughs> oh, my God, man. Too funny. So, okay, here. I, 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 I have a funny story, but here, I just want to at least tell you say what the fuck this episode is about. So, episode 188 is going to be a lot of fun, actually. This, again, was an idea uh, inspired by a conversation that we were all having in our Patreon Slack, which is turning out to be actually like a really, really cool fucking thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. a really... What's a not cheesy way of saying? It? I have to not. Uh, I have to not go against my 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 rugged manly like demeanor of you know <laughs> sipping coffee out of metal cans in the forest while wearing leather boots and and with my gata my gata watch. Um, <laughs> the Slack, the Patreon Slack, has become a very beautiful, just daily reminder during my work week that hey, you know what, Kaz, people people care about you. It gets better. The the Patreon Slack is my own. It gets better campaign. Do you remember that? Yeah. I think we've made jokes about the It Gets Better campaign on a few episodes, so I probably <laughs> should refrain from doing it anymore. Um, all, all all in jest. But this idea came to uh, uh, was kind of inspired by a conversation we were having on the uh, on the Patreon Slack channel. Uh, hit up patreon.com slash two book watch to check out details on how to join that. But basically, Jason Tricoli, uh, TBW's contributor extraordinaire, who we're going to talk about more in this episode, he got he got a new Orient Star. He actually got one that I've been looking at for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a beautiful green dial. It's got some yellow markers in it as well. And it kind of just sparked this question of, what the hell is Orient Star? Yeah. You guys should just do an entire episode just talking about Orient Star and its origins. Well, well you know what? That's what we're fucking here to do. <laughs> this, this is going to be an entire episode of me talking nonstop with Michael occasionally going, hmm, and saying, that's an interesting <laughs> thing. The rest of it's just going to be me having a fucking panic attack. So I'm very proud to be instilling a wonderful sense of urgency in all of your days because I only know two conversational speeds, uh, solemn and urgent. Those are my two conversational <laughs> speeds. Michael can attest to that. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not as bad as it sounds, though. You know, you're fun to talk to. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, so, yeah, this episode's going to be a lot of fun. Basically, you cannot have an Orient Star discussion without basically just doing the entire history of Orient. So, you know what? Strap on, strap in. We're episode 188, all about the Orient Star and the origin of Orient Watches. Um, we're going to cover about 120 years of history, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but here I have a funny, I mean, I don't know if it's a funny story, but it's just something weird. The more and more I interact with humans, um, which I'm trying to do less of, <clears throat> I just realized it's easy these days. It's easy these days. <laughs> it's just, so my wife, my wife burned her hand pretty bad on the stove, um, Aww. the other day. Yeah, it was horrible. And like, we had to go to the hospital and, um, so there's, there's two funny stories. So the whole time in the waiting room, we're in the hospital, uh, like we're in the emergency room and we're waiting for the doctor to see us. My wife very clearly has this like pretty like bad burn on her hand. And like people are walking by and looking at us and they're like looking at her and then looking at me and they keep walking. And I'm like, 
do they think I burned her? <laughs> I don't think so. Why is everyone? But that's how my brain works. Like everyone, okay. like everyone thinks I burned her. You know what I mean? And it's like if anything, she's gonna burn me. All right, let's just let's just be real about that, man. All right, I'm joking. She would never burn me. Um, sounds help. But but so so she had a bad burn. We had to go to the hospital, and then eventually, um, the you know one of the doctors they took us into the room that smells like sorrow and latex. I hate hospitals. I I really. The two times I've ever felt the most alone in my life were both in hospitals. Um, one of them yeah. I was waiting in like the prep room for a procedure I had to do. And I, I was in the gown, nothing else on, and I was on the table and they had me surrounded with the curtain and it was just cold and there was no one else around me. And it was the most profound sense of like loneliness I'd ever felt. And I just started crying. It was, I was not doing good. But you had a big like, zero. I did, did have zero? my big zero. <laughs> I know that procedure. <laughs> yeah, I totally had my big zero. You're not wrong. Um, so I'm there with my others. Yeah, fast forward, another hospital story. I have too many hospital stories. Um, remember, remember when the dog attacked me last year? Yes, I just remembered that the other day, actually. Yeah, that was... I don't want to do happened. that again. <laughs> I still cross the street every time I see a dog. How fucked up is that? I'm dog racist. Dog racist. Right? Speciest. Species. I'm a goddamn species. I think I think humans are the highest form of species in the world. Cha- <laughs> hashtag change my view. Um, so my wife and I were in the waiting room for the hospital, and she's got this burn on her hand. And the doctor walks in, uh, very very nice. Um, they all have much better bedside manner than I ever would. I'd be like, "What the fuck do you want now?" And the person could be like holding like their like their guts, it's like, "Oh, I got shots. Like, oh, you're fine." I'd be a bad doctor. Um, the doctor walks in, and they're like, "Oh, what's wrong?" My wife goes, "Oh, you know, I was cooking, and I burned my hand." Blah blah blah. And then she asked, and the doctor asked my wife a question. She asked my wife a question that I've been asked when I've been in the emergency room before. And I think it's some sort of standard practice question, but uh-huh. it's really fucking weird. <laughs> she asked my wife, on a scale of one to 10, how bad is your pain? 10 being the worst. And I'm sitting in the back and, you know, I'm kind of like an, I'm an observer and I'm like, 10's the worst pain? Am I going to be consciously in a place to tell you? That my pain level is 10. Or speak. Or speak. Wouldn't I be like screaming and clawing at the walls? Like That's a fucking. A good point. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how am I. Because if I say, mm, I think it's a 10, obviously I'm lying. <laughs> obviously I'm lying. But at the same time, I if you ask me on a scale of one to ten, how bad your how bad your pain, I don't want to look like some kind of wimp. So even if even if my pain is, I mean, like a seven or an eight, I'll be like, huh, it's about a two. You know what I mean? That's not helpful information for the bill. Like, oh, you're fine. Get out of my fucking room. You know what I mean? <laughs> have you been to an emergency room and have they asked you? Because every time I've gone, like, oh, on a scale of one to ten, how bad's your pain? Blah. Okay, it's an yeah. eight. You know what I mean? They, point, they, they point, point you to the little smiley faces, the little scale of faces. On the scale, on the, on the progress of smile chart, where's your pain? Is it on the <laughs> frowny pie? Or the smiley pie. There's a frown. It's a frowny pie. It's the frowny pie. <laughs> Did they ever ask you that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty standard. Gotta stop doing that. It's yeah. not helpful. It can't be helpful. I'm gonna lie. Next time I'm there, I'm gonna it's be like, here oh, to stay. I'm gonna be like, I'm that, like, oh, I'm gonna say, oh, my pain's a ten, and they'll be like, really? <laughs> oh, it's a fucking. You don't even. I'm doing a lot of, like, you know keggles to maintain composure right now and not have a panic attack my my pain scale is a 10 she better she got like 
oh, she's fine now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah she's fine. She's fine. Um, you know, they talked us through what to do and how to care for it. It wasn't super, super bad. Didn't need any like, um, like outpatient help or whatever. You know, they just gave us a guide on what to do and everything like that. So it was, um, yeah, she's fine now. She's fine now. Good. And I didn't burn her. Just want that out there. <laughs> just, just putting the putting this down on paper. I'm just putting this out this, into the world. Yes, I didn't burn her. All keep right. keep your dirty looks to yourself, guys. He burned her. Oh my god, he burned. He burned his wife. Brown man burned his wife. Well, that was a funny hospital story. The tale is all that. Yeah, I, I don't have many. You know, don't have many. I don't have many uh, hospital knee slappers, but boy, oh, the ones I got. <laughs> like the time I was bleeding all over the emergency room after the dog attacked me, waiting for the doc, waiting for fucking house MD to come and diagnose me with I don't know, dog peripheral bite. meningitis or whatever the fuck you know. <laughs> I'm di- I'm diagnosing you with dog bite. <laughs> I'm diagnosing. My diagnosis is that a fucking pit bull attacked you. Like oh wow wow doc that you really. You're really putting those Harvard medical credentials to good use. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You did it. A dog attacked me. Fantastic. But here, let's do this. Episode 118 of Watch House Podcast, all about the Orient Star, parentheticals, and the origins of Orient Watches. Here, Michael, let's do this. You want to do a wrist check with me? Let's do a wrist check. Let's let's do a wrist check. Hold on. I haven't listened to last week's episode yet. Did you do a wrist check with your wife? Yeah. We've, we've, oh, good. Um, good. Good, good, she good, was good, wearing good. the Trasca, and I was wearing the beautiful watch. the the Panerai. Panaristi. But here, let's yeah. um, let's do this. I've been talking way too much. Let's do let's do. God in heaven, Michael. Let's do let's do a wrist check. What are you wearing? What are you wearing this episode? One eighty eight. I'm doing something that I I, do, I don't normally do. Cock push really, I'm really liking it. <laughs> uh, I have the Omega Speedmaster on. On a blue shark NATO strap, and I'm just wow. loving this, loving this combo. Really just rocking, rocking it this weekend. It's nice. It's gonna, it's gonna get to 96 degrees today. Um, That's a lot of degrees in, in the greater Seattle area. It's gonna be very hot. There's a heat advisory, and I don't want a bracelet. Um, so this, you know. I always say that when I change up the bracelet or strap situation on the Speedmaster that I'm going to wear it more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I can get behind this for, I don't know, maybe at least a solid week. Not be a psycho and change my watch every day. Um, but yeah, no, this if you're just tuning in, I don't wear this watch a lot, but it's a, it's a watch that's very special to me. It's, I think, I guess you could call it my first ever high-end purchase that really stuck that's you know? stuck yeah I, I i would say that. i think that's fair um and it's just a basic omega speedmaster moonwatch 3570 so the model that came just before uh the version with the huge box and the astronaut suit and mm. space dildo and all that stuff um and i don't know i i i just I can't get over the fact that this watch is also 42 millimeters. It, it always feels smaller than other 42 millimeter watches that I've that I've worn. Maybe it has something to do with the like asymmetrical the, case. I feel like maybe it's the dial. Maybe the dial makes it not seem so big. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, maybe maybe that's maybe that's the case as well. But holy hell, man! It was just 
I don't know. What a great watch. So it's just interesting because you... Love, oh, I'm sorry. I, I just love that you can still get them for, you know, relatively easy money. Hmm. Probably, I mean, you could probably do under 2000 used, right? Obviously. I don't or know about under 2000 Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe you're like low 2000s. Maybe if like an elephant stomped on it, you can get it for under 2000 Probably. Yeah. Like if like if it, like if they pull like remember uh, did you ever see Jaws? Yeah. Remember when they <laughs> caught that bull shark and they're like and they're like oh let's go and see if the little boy is inside his stand like they cut the stomach open of the bull shark and they're play if they pulled the speedmaster out of that shark maybe you could get that speedmaster for two and looking like looking like they fucking like digested by a shark you know what I mean? Eighteen hundred final eighteen hundred. <laughs> so it's actually interesting you've always had an interesting aversion to putting that speedmaster on a nato yeah so it but just it took liquid magma falling from the sky for you to be like hey i should probably throw it on a nato well i have to not be such a dick about my watches before i used to i used to think that um oh if i have the speedmaster and it's not on the bracelet it's somewhat less of a watch mm. it feels it feels like less of the whole premium package that you ideally would hope to pay for. So I always it's not thought, a speed uh, master. It's just a speed. Mm, yeah. Without the bracelet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no master. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess I just got over that. And I mean, people, you hear people say this a lot, but <clears throat> the speed master is just one of those watches that looks great on so many different straps. And yeah. I think NATO by far, by far beats anything else you can put on a Speedmaster. Um, it lends itself really well. I don't know what it is, but it lends itself really well. So quest, question, you have it, well, what did you say? There was a Blue Shark you said? It's a Blue Shark NATO and it's 18 millimeters, so it's undersized for this uh, this case. Is it, um, does it have the flappy flap or is it castrated? Is it like a single pass? No, it's the full, I haven't done anything to this to this NATO strap. Is it riding too high for you or do you think it's okay? Nope, not at all. It's 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 perfect. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's killer. I just put a photo in the Slack this morning, and uh, yeah, that was actually right before we started recording. So let me see. Uh, I posted it. We this is what we do here on the Slack channel. If you're curious, we do daily daily wrist shots, and you can see. Man, we got 32 people in here. Some people That's join wild. Patreon to look at girls' boobies. Yeah. Other people join Patreon, look at other men's hairy wrist, and stop, stop simping, and get over <laughs> to the, get on over to the TBWS Patreon. I've seen more men's wrists in my life than I really <laughs> ever thought I would. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's like, like, oh wow, look at look at the wrist bone structure. It's very symmetrical on the you know over the the the, the metacarpals <laughs> of the anterior. Of the, I, you know what I mean? It's just like, man, I wish I knew as much about anything else as I do about fucking wrists, man. Yep. You know? And that's what it looks like. I this, love this, this dimly lit, sexy room you keep taking photos in. It's just my cave, dude. I never leave. I want a cave. Why did I paint my <laughs> walls green? You did. They're so green. Everything, everything. <laughs> I, when I painted the green, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be fucking awesome, man. And then I started taking photos in here. I'm like, why are all my photos green? <laughs> it took me like so long to be like oh no it's the wall I'm the killer I'm the Belmont murderer you know what I mean it's like fuck man and so like now I'm I'm thinking about painting one of my walls gray 
Yeah. Literally just so I can have a not green wall. <laughs> to try and bounce light off of. Because everything is green. <laughs> it's all right. But yeah, this is, this is what I'm wearing. Um, it's too hot for bracelets. This Speedmaster is fan-fucking-tastic. So cool. Um, my, my wife, like, it, it, nor actually in the last episode, you know... We were going through these iconic watch designs, and I just wanted to get her reaction. Very simple episode. I think people liked it. Mm. Um, but I, I just I just told her, here's a Rolex to Mariner. Here's an Omega Speedmaster. Which one would you pick right now? Money's no object. And she's like, I would go with the Omega. It yeah. just looks uh, classier. Um, Omega, the Omega has more going on. The only, only most of the times people would choose the Submariner when they're like, yeah. oh, it's a, it's a Submariner. Like, you, you have to have... You have to have a submarine in your collection. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I think most people would probably just end up choosing the Speedmaster. It is more interesting looking. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's always gonna have this this working man's quality. Also, just mm. I, I really like it. Again, I've said it before. Omega will always try to push push itself as a luxury, high luxury brand. I mean, that's what a lot of brands try to do. But um, yeah, the Speedmaster is. Speedmaster makes the brand. Did you <laughs> so. did you see the the Slack bot someone created in the TBWS Slack? Let me see if it still works. Yeah, yeah. Rolex is a yep. fashion. <laughs> I just tested it out. Apparently, if you write Rolex in the TBWS Slack, the Slack bot tells you that Rolex is a fashion brand. This Slack bot became autonomous. Did we figure <laughs> out who programmed it? <laughs> I still have no idea. I think that's the best part, Michael. You and I created this Slack. We have no idea who made the Slack bot. <laughs> Uh, I'm, oh boy. I'm I'm still curious as to who made this black bot. I want to give you a medal. I think his watch is off. You think so? I suspect. He's been oddly <laughs> quiet every time that thing pops up. <laughs> oh boy. What are you wearing? Uh so obviously in honor of the episode, I'm wearing an orient, but I'm not wearing one of my orange stars. I have two orange stars. Um I have, uh, here, can I have 15 seconds to run and grab my other Orient Star? Yeah. Okay, here, <clears throat> just just fill the airtime uh, with talk. Fill the airtime. Let's see. I'm just looking at Orient Stars now, and like many of you, I still wish that they would redo those GMTs, because that GMT that Kaz has is probably my favorite of all time. But it seems like... I'm back. Okay, what did I miss? Oh, just talking about the GMT, and that's like the Orient Star for me, but... Oh, the, know, dev, the my, 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 uh, my GMT? Yeah, it's still like in limbo, though. I don't, I don't know if people are... If they're making new ones, or... They're not. But these divers have grown on me. The, yes. Some of the newer ones, they're pretty yeah, cool. So so for the wrist check, I'm actually wearing the Orient Christmas Chrono. It's not part of the Orient Star line, but it represents some something cool that Orient does every now and then. They'll just do like random limited editions, but um, unlike <clears throat> unlike other Japanese brands and even other orological brands, those that shall be not not be named, they're not limited editions where you know, in order to buy them, you have to take your first only son up to a rock because you know. God told you to sacrifice them, and then the last man is like, "Oh no, I'm just joking. The watch is free." Like you know, this, 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 this. you don't have to go through any bindings of Ishak, or, or, or you know, whatever the fuck you got to do to get a limited edition Orient watch. Um, 
This Orion, uh, Orient Neo 70s, the Orient Christmas Chrono, as is dubbed by TBWS, I got it for $250, $240, mm -hmm. or $250, which is like not cheap. Um, considering there's only a thousand of them, it's a fucking beautiful, beautiful watch. Um, 250 was, yeah, perfect. Um, it's part of the Orient Neo 70s line, which is not a line that we are honestly getting a lot of exposure of here in the West. And in all honesty, ever since post-Epson takeover in approximately 2017, it doesn't seem like Orient's focusing too much on the Orient Neo 70s line as well. But basically, the idea with the Orient Neo 70s line is that um, the watch brand wanted to take a series of iconic, mainly <clears throat> 1970s watch designs and... Mm -hmm do a version of them with some sort of modern modern twist. So obviously the Orient Christmas Chrono is supposed to be like a panda racing chronograph, but the modern twist they did was put it in this really beautiful uh, jewel tone sort of uh, teal color. And right. they put um, pinstripes, but the pinstripes are kind of offset, so they're like jagged. It's actually really, really cool. I remember when people discovered those pinstripes, how they were kind of offset mm -hmm. and people had, some people had a negative reaction. I was like, whoa, that's cool. I've just I've never, never noticed that. It's pretty cool. So for me, the Orient Neo 70s, uh, Orient Christmas Chrono, uh, it's probably one of the coolest things that I've got. Um, I thought it'd be fun to wear it for uh, this episode. I didn't want to wear one of the Orient Stars because you guys are going to hear me talk about Orient Stars constantly, but um, <laughs> just in case you're not familiar, Orient Christmas Chrono, it is a quartz chronograph. Uh, I think it's 42 millimeters. Let me, let me check on my calipers. Let me just see here. I still don't have calipers. <laughs> 42 millimeters. We should get TBWS branded calipers. Uh, will Teespring do that? <laughs> Teespring. Let me let me email him and ask. Can you? What a fucking like nerdy question to email the Teespring. Hey guys, guys from Tubo Glasscraps, could you make a CBWS brand caliper? They'll just close our account. They're like, listen, we'll just give you guys money to never fucking email us ever again. <laughs> Keep your fucking neck beardy, fat throated opinions to yourself, Kaz. But, oh man. Just want to talk about watches. But yeah, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry. It's very angry. Uh, 42, 42 millimeters in uh, diameter. It's less than 12 millimeters thick. And um, one of the funniest... Uh, so I don't have very... Well, this is, this is going to be a lie. Um, but I'm going to finish my thought anyway. I don't have very many quick-to-rage moments in my life. I just want to pause to, just to clarify. That's just... That's a lie. I actually have a lot of just insta-rage moments. And one of them is actually attached to this watch. I don't think, Michael, okay. you... I don't think you remember this. I'll never forget it because every now and then something just comes to mind and I'm like, man, I hope the person that did that to me fucking dies. Like, God, yeah. Because just, I, I hold... Man, I hold grudges. I hold... I hold grudges like they're my best friends. I keep them close to me, Michael. I have more <laughs> grudges than friends. If that's any sounds, indicator. Sounds like a brand new song. <laughs> it really does, actually. <laughs> uh, we, Michael, you and I were together, and we were going to one of the wind-ups, and we ran into another uh, watch content person, creator, uh, getting some B-roll outside of the Chelsea market. I'm not, I'm not going to say names. Um, mm -hmm. Do you remember who, do you immediately know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> good. And um, I think they were wearing like a Pogue or some shit. 
and I forgot what you were wearing, and they were like, "Oh, what do you got, Kaz?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just wearing the uh, the orange, you know, orange Christmas chrono." And he's like, "He's like, oh, I don't know about that." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, it's cool." Blah blah. blah. Basically, everything I told you guys a minute ago, I just told them. I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I only paid two fifty bucks for it." And um, and the guy was holding the watch, like, "Oh, wow, wow, steel." Ooh, I mean, look at the curves. Are they really? You got good value for your money here. I instantly wanted to throw them in traffic. I'm like, "Fuck you," and you're talking down to me. I don't know why. I just felt like I was being talked down to, Michael. Do you I think feel? good. Yeah, I think good value for the money is one of the most awful things you can put into like editorial in this sort of watch hobby. Oh, it's 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 a lot of watch for the money. I mean, isn't that something you want in any price range that you pay? Like, just, even if I spend two k on a watch, yeah. I want I want a lot for my money. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I was just so upset because it's just like, hey man, I acknowledge this watch is a piece of shit, but good for you for opening up your purse strings and spending two fifty for a watch. It's like, oh man, <laughs> I should toss you and your fucking haircut and your fucking camera into New York City traffic and just walk away. You know oh, what I mean? Days. The what? The old days. The old Not days. Go to watch shows. <laughs> the old days when New York had traffic and when you could go to watch shows. I'm sure, I'm sure the traffic's come back to New York by now. I don't miss I don't miss Chelsea Market, by the way. <laughs> the place was awful. You don't miss the sense of trapped urgency that you felt oh the moment God. you walked in there? Jeez. Um, there was a Bon Me place across from the wind-up space they had at Chelsea Market. I miss that. I don't okay. miss anything else. <laughs> I don't miss the voices, the eyes, all the stupid <laughs> questions. Oh, what millimeters this watch? Who fucking cares? Don't you have a family? friends it's Saturday afternoon man <laughs> and we're all guilty unless you're here grocery shopping get the fuck out of here <laughs> alright so uh, see every now, cool. every now and then I look at this watch and I'm like man that motherfucker is a stupid piece of shit but it's a, it's a TVWS icon now. TVWS icon you hear that Dick, if you're listening, oh yeah, good, good value for your money. Fucking loser. Um, we here. Let's do this. Yes, very good wrist check. Excellent. I, I, um, I, um, I have the photo of the Speedmaster on the NATO, um, in the Slack here. So cool, dude. I oh, like it. Wish I had cool stuff. God damn, it's so cool. We were wearing, we, we were both wearing very fun chronographs. It just occurred to me. Yeah, chronograph right? day. Carter Day, fucking hashtag. Is, is yours is yours on the bracelet or on a NATO? Bracelet, bracelet. Okay, cool. I was anti bracelet on this thing for a long time, and I had it on. Yeah. I had it on an old uh, shiznit from Terry for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, I remember. And then something happened where I'm like, oh yeah, let me put it back on the bracelet, and I had one of those like road to Damascus. Like, what have I been doing? Why did I ever take this off the bracelet? On the bracelet, you'll stay forever. Or in Christmas Chrono, you know? So, I haven't really taken it off since, you know? It's a pretty good bracelet. It's not the same kind of thing that comes with, uh, like, the old Makos. <clears throat> it's better than the old Mako bracelets, but it's worse than the Orient Star bracelets. If that mm-hmm. gives anyone any frame of reference. Because the two Orient Stars that I have, the bracelets on them are fucking excellent. Yeah. You know? Um, but here, let's do this. Let's get into some fun watch news and housekeeping items. Did you hear, Michael? What uh, did you or did you pick up any fun acquisitions from that latest Seiko auction? Did you hear about that? I did not. 
Oh, you missed I don't out. think anyone did. <laughs> Pray tell. Why? <laughs> I don't think. So this was. When did this happen? T- t- tell it's, everyone the story. So there was a there was an auction house. I think they're called Bonhams. I've never heard. I just I Bonhams? just drummer. like asses. Bonhams. Bonhams, like John Bonham, the drummer. I don't like that. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so they so they they came up and uh did did a whole sent everyone pressers about an all seiko online only auction wow um that sounds exclusive seemed pretty interesting there were some some models that they decided to highlight either um by sending images to press outlets or posting <clears throat> on social media and things like that and i thought to myself well that's pretty cool it's difficult to find yourself a, a pogue that's accurate or not frankened. Right. Um, you know, a lot of these, a lot of parts on these old Seiko chronographs, they they wear out. And I, I mean, like Spencer Klein says, you know, if if you're gonna buy old Seiko, buy buy in the USA or Australia, you you get the highest quality there. Hmm. There are a lot of botched Franken models from different parts of the world. And I thought to myself, well, I. I I'm sure this this would be a great place as well. I think the auction auction house might have done its due diligence in in researching and authenticating all of these. And uh, shortly after the the auction was pulled offline, because the Seiko community went ballistic, <laughs> and they called out a ton of different you know inaccuracies and issues with the models that might have been frankened or uh, not necessarily ha- having authentic parts. Um, and I think it was canceled, and now it's not canceled again. So they they took it down and they put it back up. So I don't know what the hell's gonna happen. It looks like it looks like it's still. Oh, it looks like it went up, and it's gonna stay up until August twenty fifth. All right, send me a link. Tail, so tail. Here's the headline: Tail as old as time. Auction house may sell fake watches. Oh, and it's happened. It's 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 happened with with brands that are tougher to um, to Franken. Mm. Um, you know, it's happened with old Rolex. It's happened with uh, Panerai a lot. Yeah. So, you know that guy Periscope that we we talked about before. Uh, he he takes great pleasure in in following these Panerai auctions and just completely tearing apart a lot of a lot of the models <laughs> that are being touted as historic and authentic uh so you know seiko seiko's tough man you, you really got to be careful with anything that didn't come from the u.s or or australia that's that's my understanding yeah so i just sent you i just sent you the the auction i guess maybe they maybe they consulted with the community and and took down the problematic listings um yeah because i'm only seeing three watches here now it was just a, it was a mess. One, two. I'm counting watches. Three, four. Yeah, it's just, there's just four watches here now. Is that an yeah. auction or is that just like another day in the office? What's how many things there need to be an auction? Need need to constitute an auction. I see a lot more. Really? I'm only seeing uh, four. I'm only seeing four. Oh god damn it! I was only looking at the stupid images at the top. Yeah, you gotta scroll down. There's even some sumos here. Let's Some limited see. edition sumos. I mean, I would go for the more modern stuff. The more limited modern. There's some limited 
monster tuna things that are pretty mm. cool. Uh, oh, they have a they actually have a titanium orange samurai, which wow. is that's the samurai to get. Well, any of the old titanium sam- samurais are pretty cool. A lot of turtles. So, oh yeah, some of these limited sumos are in here. So I think if you if you uh, man if you're looking for vintage Seiko, really, um, like I like people have asked me, where should I buy a used Rolex? Mm-hmm. And I, I've said it before. I, I can count. I can count those individuals on one hand. You wow. know, the individuals that you can trust 100%. And with Seiko, I think it's the same case. Yeah. It's really, really tough. Some so, of these do look cool. I've just never seen a lot of these before. I'm also not like a fucking Seikoologist, so whatever. Take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. A granule of salt. That's hold what, on, that's what my I wife's, happened. My wife's here. What's up, babe? Can you what? I mean, if you want to eat it, go for it. I'm not going to eat it. I don't, I don't think it's good. But yeah, go for it. We're, we're having a lasagna discussion. Mm, that's an important discussion. It's a discussion. That can make or break your Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it really can. Especially if you're making it from scratch. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the 62 MAS at the very top. I mean, you can tell that some moisture has gotten in there. The loom starts to blacken a little bit when that oh, happens. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but if you're looking for something more <clears throat> modern, it, it seems like they have some of those. Some of those LE sumos are pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So that's that, and then that other piece of news, <laughs> some funny thing that popped up in the Slack today. I guess Panerai had a social media campaign that they lost launched, uh, me and my Panerai or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So Panerai is all about the community. <clears throat> Hashtag me and my Panerai. <laughs> It's yep. all about you and your Panerai. This week we feature blah, 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 this individual. Um, and I guess this individual had used this me and my Panerai hashtag and they were rewarded by being featured on the Panerai Instagram. Panerai wins because they get to show, hey, there's a community of Paneristi out there. And the individual wins because it's like, hey, I'm getting really cool exposure and everyone likes my Panerai. Uh, small issue, it's fake. Yeah. It's just a and, fake, uh, it's just a fake Panerai. That Panerai decided to post on there. So, it, so this indicates two two options, maybe three, if you're feeling particularly callous, like I usually am. First option, it's a good fake, <laughs> and even even really seasoned experts, Panerai can't tell when this good of a fake is fake. Or second option, um, they're they're. They're just really shitty at figuring out what's a real watch and a fake watch. Yeah. That's all. I mean, like, I, I, if it's a good fake or a bad fake is, is, is you know, regardless of the fact, they might just be really bad at figuring out. Or it could be both. It could be some kind of hellacious combination of the two. Oh, and, and uh, Hannah and I posted this three days ago, and they yeah, still left had, it up. They've had ample time to take this down. <laughs> and, and I wanted to... I wanted to um, really investigate because i i saw i saw this brought up in the slack channel mm. and i'm like hey you know is it really fake so i, I went to take a, a closer look at it the shot's kind of weird um you can't really tell but <laughs> i guess because i follow him uh his comment gets pushed up but again periscope went right in there and was like 
this is an insult to anyone who buys your authentic watches, who's a fan of your brand. And I was like, well, if, if that guy says it's fake, it's fake. It's fake yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, kind of weird. Uh, social corporate social media is a, well, you know, um, you a know dangerous why, game. Yeah. Well, you know why this is up here? Some some like social media outreach person's probably like wetting their pants with how many comments that's getting, and it's just like, oh, I get <laughs> to show, I get to show everyone that we engagement. had two hundred percent increase in engagement. Disre- disregarding the fact that this is, how can I phrase this? There's good engagement, and then there's toxic engagement. Yeah. I would constitute this as toxic engagement. Oh yeah. And I also like this photo because it's about 95% over flexed arm and like 5%. That's a lot of arm. It's just too much arm. And yeah. I also, we were talking about this um, and before the club, I enjoy how I think he's driving like a Kia Rio or something. Um, I don't know what he's, what is this? That doesn't look, what is this? It's a Jeep or a Silverado or something like that. God, I, I hope know. it's a, I hope it's a, s- sil- I hope it's a Silverado. <laughs> Oh, good times. But yeah, so fake watches all abound. Trust no one except your guides and horology tube watch knobs. <sighs> Let's see here. Talked about fake Seikos. Uh, I should correct myself. Potentially fake Seikos. Talked about fake Panerai's long live Paneristes. Uh, let's do some website news. Huge shout, a huge shout out to uh, our very own TBWS contributors, Jason Tricoli and Damon Bailey. Jason Tricoli did a really, really cool a proper review of this Parnas GMT, the Parnas Batman, basically. It's that yeah. blue and black bezel. And um, uh, mad kudos to Jason for doing this Parnas GMT review very objectively, very level-headedly, not like I had done my Tiger Concept BB36 review. <laughs> I was a bit more colorful. Um, I was also angry when I got that watch. You know what I mean? It's okay. Um... So yeah, go and check it out. It's actually really, really cool. I, I, have, I don't. He's got cool photos in here. He's got really cool reference and like objective experience with the watch. Um, I don't think I've really seen other reviews of this watch. I'm sure they're out there, but I really, really enjoy Jason's. He even points out things that he doesn't like or things he might think you might find annoying. It's actually really, really, really cool. So go and check it out. Parnas GMT review. On uh, In addition to that, huge shout out to Damon Bailey for putting out um, a really sweet review on this Zen EZM3F. Um, I'm not super familiar with this model, but I loved going through, reading his breakdown of it, reading the impetus from Zen with the idea of what this watch is supposed to be used for. I love all of his image captions because um, I yeah. guess this is supposed to be for. Uh, this chronograph was designed in mind for the German Central Customs Support Group, ZUZ, an unassuming name for the Specialized Tactical Police Unit in support of counterterrorism operations. Yeah. There are a bunch of break glass in case of emergency German John Wicks running around Cologne with more guns and utility pouches than a Rob Leefield comic. Which is an excellent description. Just want to point that out. Um... But go and check it out. He's got some really cool reviews in here. Uh, Damon knows what he's talking about with this shit, especially in regards to anything involving just like tactical usage or equipment or any of the stuff that people like get weird like gear boners over and stuff like that. So really, really, really cool stuff. Gearboners.com. It's uh, an EDC site coming. Oh my God. I have to check. Coming your way. (laughs) I have to check if that domain's available. 
Be careful. Yeah, I, I I didn't even know this watch was out, and I I like to see Zen making the EZM line a little maybe a little more accessible because anything EZM is pretty difficult to get, especially the chronographs. The original one is nearly impossible to get. Yeah, the reissue came out almost impossible to get it today. So it's cool to see this. This one is not a chronograph version, so I guess that's why the price is. Uh, a little easier you can get it for 1890 on a leather strap cool put that, put that shit on nato and call it a day good to go man i have a question michael what's up can i use tbws funds to buy gearboner.com before this episode goes out yep okay good <laughs> approval from the board <laughs> I, I need i need board approval <laughs> before i can move forward gearboner guess how much gearboner.com is Four bucks. It's a dollar. <laughs> I've never seen a domain that cheap. <laughs> now, should we do Gear Gear Boner or Gear Boners? Probably, probably also available. Like GearBoners.com. GearBoners.com. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, we God. Talk about, like, knives and shit. All that stuff. Let's just buy it. Let's sit on it. Then we can figure out what, what we can do with it. Sounds good. Shall we start the Shall we start the main segment? <laughs> Man, that was fun. Uh, yeah, I had to write down gear boners. Oh, hold on, I spelled boner. B o n e r dot com. Parentheticals z. <laughs> maybe maybe s dot com. All right, let's do this. Closing tabs. Sorry, I scared my cat. Sorry, sweetie. Closing tabs. Closing tabs. So okay. The question is, you know, where is, what is Orient Star? And this discussion has to come in line with basically a history of Orient watches with the goal of dispelling some bullshit. So, y'all motherfuckers, every time someone, like, asks, like, oh, what's a great first diver that I can get for under 200 or whatever? The answer no longer is Seiko, in my opinion. In my opinion, it's no longer Seiko. If you I, mean, <laughs> I don't even know if you can get an SKX for that today. Nope. Used. Like, I mean, yeah, you might be able to get it used with someone else's fucking like 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 wrist cheese in the mm-hmm. bezel and shit. You know, this Omega has a lot of wrist cheese. Is it yours? It's mine. Yeah, that's fine. That's your brand. If it's your brand, that's fine. I'm proud. I'm proud. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want you don't want someone else's wrist cheese on your wrist, <laughs> which might be like a ska song. Can we can we make as much as we uh, sorry as much as we hate branded hashtags in the in the industry and how we've talked about it before? Can we make wrist cheese Wednesday and just get really detailed shots of <laughs> Michael? There's a there's a classical myth I'd like to reference now. It's called Pandora's box. All right. I don't know if you've heard the story, but I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid of opening Pandora's box with wrist cheese Wednesday. I think it's gonna happen just because I've said it. <laughs> else I'll write it down. I'll write it down. How do you? But how do you photograph wrist cheese? Ugh. Sorry. I, I mean, just, I, I feel like I, I feel disgusting. like I've captured quite a bit in my images. It's just you, you, you just decide to leave it and you don't take it out in Lightroom because <laughs> I've edited my fair share of wrist cheese. <laughs> I've edited my fair... I'm no uh, wrist cheese connoisseur or anything. 
We should do a wrist cheese pairing menu, pairing wrist cheese with like different watch brands and be like wrist cheese sommelier. What do you think? Yeah, this is this is a two year old Kaz with a PBR. Delicious. <laughs> Excellent pairing. I really enjoy the tannins. I think they play very well. This is why Watchville never wrote back to us. This is, <laughs> I think that was my favorite part of Watchville. Watchville is like, hey, we want all kinds of watch blogs on our on our on our app now, and we wrote, hey, that's great. Here's two more watch stuff. Yeah, not you guys. <laughs> we want other watch blogs, not not you guys. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. All right. Too, we can get started. I just too got risque <laughs> for TV. This, this this is your show. You can we can talk about our nipples. <laughs> For an hour and a half. In fact, we have, I think. God forbid. Oh, boy. But here, let's. What the fuck was I even doing? Wrist cheese. Wow, I'm very, I'm very lost. We're, so the, 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 there's just some general myths that I'm also going to dispel in this discussion of Orient Star and the history of Orient watches. Um, we're going to talk about where Orient watches are made, what the differences between Orient and Orient Star are, um, when Orient as a watch company technically started because the brand and a lot of other websites will tell you one thing but in my opinion there's a different reality which you have to dig a little bit further for and um, also talking about the relationship between uh, Seiko and Orient because I think mm-hmm. this gets people really confused um, people are still under the idea that Seiko watches owns orient and orients are just like affordable versions of seikos in the same way that like a squire is an affordable version of a stratocaster or like yeah. a fender or like a squire strat is an affordable like you don't you don't have 400 bucks to buy an entry level uh korean or mexican fender strat you can spend a hundred bucks on an indiscriminate location squire strat you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yeah Nothing can be further from the truth, in my opinion. So all those will be discussed and more. The first thing I want to talk about is the actual origin of Orient of Orient watches. So if you were to go on Orient Watch, the Orient Watch website, or a lot of other watch websites, um, first of all, I just want to point out because I'll take any opportunity. I can't do this. Uh, fuck Orient Watch USA. Just want to put that out there. Okay. Don't 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 patron Orient Watch USA. If you want an Orient, go, I don't know, get it directly from Long Island Watches, even though I think Mark gets them from Orient Watch USA anyway, or, you know, uh, buy from a European retailer or from a Japanese retailer like I do with my Orients. Just don't buy from Orient Watch USA, okay? Mm-hmm. They misrepresent the brand. They just, you, you guys have heard me just discuss this, beat a dead horse. But if you have any questions as to why I hate, hate Orient Watch USA, just ask me in tbws.com. Or no, it's tbws.contact.gmail.com. You can email me or you can hit me up on Instagram. I'll explain it there, but I won't take your time now. But basically, don't patron Orient Watch USA. The reason I'm saying it is if you go to Orient Watch USA or if you go to any other Orient Watch website, they'll tell you Orient Watches began in 1950. Not, not really. Or 19, 1951. Yeah, not not really. That's not really when Orient Watches began. Orient Watch can trace, in my opinion, its starting origins to 1901 with an individual uh, whose name I'm going to say the best I can. So it's 1901. So let's just establish this immediately right now. It's more than 100 years old. Okay, I just want to put that out there for you people that for some reason don't think Orient Watches is any good. 
1901, an individual named Shogoro Yoshida opened basically what he had called uh, Yoshida Watch Shop, which only sold uh, imported pocket watches. Or my understanding is that it was imported orological timepieces. So even though around this time, um, you know, a decade or two before, you know, Seiko and some other watch operations, they were making watches at this time when uh, Mr. Yoshida started Yoshida Watch Shop in 1901, making watches not on the radar, selling imported uh, pocket watches to, um, you know, Japanese market. That's the thing. And for about 20 years, that was the mode of operation. Uh, slowly, things started to change in 1920. Yoshida Watch Shop reselling imported pocket watches was going really, really well. Um, then, Mr. Yoshida recognized the opportunity to make, to use some of the knowledge and the industry contacts and some of his resources to make technical instrument gauges, but also more pertinent to our discussion, uh, table clocks, to make table clocks. That was in approximately 1920, and it changed from Yoshida Watch Shop, which is like a, like a ma and pa local jeweler <laughs> type of feel, uh, changed its name to Toyo Tokei Manufacturing. Tokei, uh, T-O-K-E-Y, is something you'll see used in a lot of early Japanese watch business brands. I think a lot of just Japanese brands. Um, yeah, pre nineteen pre nineteen fifty. I think it's just uh, a cultural specific term in Japanese that means business. Oh, okay. You know what I mean. So pre nineteen fifties when you'll see a lot of tokes or uh, yeah, tokei, tokei like that. So yeah, T O K E I. So nineteen twenty, Yoshida changes the name from Yoshida Watch Shop, which has a mom pa feel to it, to Toyo Tokei Manufacturing to make table clocks and uh, instrument gauges. That was going really well. And then in 1934, Toyota Tokei began to make um, wristwatches. So I will acknowledge this, you know, Seiko and other watches, uh, watch manufacturers at the time, which are no longer with us, probably had 30 or 40 years of making wristwatches. But the thing is at the time when Yoshida Watch Shop began, that wasn't even on the radar. Just table clocks and then using resources and some in-house opportunities to also create you know, technical instrument gauges. So wristwatches didn't really start until 1934. Um, and these were very, these weren't like assembly line things. These were actually really intricately built, very hard to produce. And the reason it's important to highlight that is, it's just, just keep it in mind. It's really difficult for Toyota okay, uh, formerly known as Yoshida's Watch Shop, to make wristwatches. Uh, you know, the movements are hard to manufacture. The actual components are really difficult to to do on a quote-unquote large-scale format. Um, so from 1934, you know, into World War II and even post-World War II, all that was fine. But towards the end of World War II and then a few years after, in 1949, um, Toyota Tokei, uh, Shogoro Yoshida, formerly Yoshida Watch Shop, they were forced to close down because after World War II, the Japanese economy was just devastated. And so this is this is this is very similar story to a lot of uh, businesses, um, orological or otherwise, in Japan post World War II, after the uh, the droppings of the atomic bombs, the economy basically uh, collapsed. But post World War II, when the economy collapsed, is something really interesting interesting that occurred. If you understand. The context of Japan having the A-bombs dropped on them, having their economy collapsed to basically maybe 30, 
or 40 years later being, I think, the third or second strongest economy on Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's <clears throat> fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, just put that in con. It's not like they had a couple hard days. No, they. Uh, it was it's pretty fucking devastating. The way they were able to do that, the way the Japanese people were able to do that, the way the economy was able to bounce back, it's one of the pros of being a country... I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. Culturally homogenized. Hmm. We are one nation. You know, we have a, a group core set of values. Our economy just got devastated. Let's come together under one goal for the betterment of the country. And that was a that was something that everyone could get behind. And it was basically yep. the idea of let's create an economy designed around manufacturing, technology, and affordability and export the shit out of it out of the country to improve our economy. That was the idea. And in 1950, well, hold on, I have a specific date here that actually also extended to um, urology, to watchmaking. So in 1950, appeals were made to mitigate the uh, materials used in watches um, and in clocks to, to, to make it easier to import you know, watches and clocks to just, just less regulations and the materials needed to make watches and clocks to make it easier for companies to make them and then also ship them out of Japan. And that same year, 1950, is when Yoshida brought back his watch manufacturing operation. So just in terms of a timeline, started in 1901. Actually, by 1950, Yoshida might be dead. I, I have no idea. I don't have a timeline on the guy's life. I have a timeline on the, on the watch company that I put together. So sorry, any Yoshida experts. <clears throat> of Michael, I know you are. You are. You are staunch. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> you did your PhD dissertation on Yoshida from 1910 to 1920. So I do apologize to you. Uh, now, for not knowing Yoshida-san's exact <laughs> dates of living on Earth. All right. Whew. So in 1950, um, government regulations were lifted to make it basically cheaper and easier to make watches and then send them out. Send them out of the country. Sell them to other folks. That same year, um, Yoshida began making watches again uh, at the same factory, in the same factory location that he started making watches for Toyo Tokei in 1934. Except now, in 1950, the company name had changed from... Uh, uh, Toyota K, previously Yoshida Watch Shop, now it was Tama Keiki Co. I'm not sure what that means, but again, Keiki, I think, is a general cultural representation of just a business, like business, like, you know, just Tama, I'm not sure what that means, then Keiki. So Tama Keiki Co., 1950, um, that's what they changed the name to. But then, because, you know, government regulations are lifted, easy to make watches. But then in 1951, this is where all the other Orient watch timelines start. And for me, I find that fucking annoying. Because if you think about it, if the Orient watch timeline starts here, there's 50 years of history they're just not really going to acknowledge. Yeah, it's kind of strange. It's weird. Because then it gives people the idea of like, oh, it's a, it's a super, super young brand. It's only been around since the 50s. Yeah, not 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 really, man. Like, it's fairly old. And it has a, a, a really, really interesting trajectory starting as essentially like a little mom pa shop selling imported pocket watches to you know becoming one of the most recognized watch brands on earth in my opinion but 1951 tama kake tama keiki excuse me 
changes its names to Orient Watch Co. So there's a lot of discussion there on why the name was changed to Orient Watch Co. But I think if you take the evidence we have in that Japanese economy was devastated after World War II, the government and the people all kind of came to a consensus around building up the economy with the idea of making manufacturing, uh, uh, technological advancements, and affordability core values to export, make shit, send it out of the country. If you keep, if you think about that in just regards to the time frame of the 1950s, it's possible that the name um, Tamakeki was only Tamakeki for a year because if I'm sending my shit out, especially to a Western market, I should probably just call it Orient Watchco. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that might just be better to export. That's the that's the general thought. That's my that's also my assessment just based on the evidence we have because I've seen all kinds of crazy interpretations and like none of them none of them are based on like evidence or logic. It's just based on feeling and as great as it would be if we could all just go on our fucking feet. Just to clarify, if I could just base all my logic off of feelings, oh my god, I'd be so happy, but I'd also be a monster. <laughs> All right. We have to go with evidence and logic, not feelings and logic. Oh, man, feelings and logic would be great right now. Not going to lie, guys. But 1951, Tamakeki changed to Orient Watch Co. This is when the timeline for most, most Orient watches will begin. This is also significant, Michael. Do you know what else happened in 1951? You can say no. It's okay. I don't. The first Orient star was produced. You see what I did? I brought it all back. I this brought guy. it back to the idea. Where did Orient Star come from? Well, I'll tell you. I'll assault your fucking brain with the knowledge. All right? Mad John Dunn over here assaulting, assault you with faith. That's a really nerdy English joke. I have no idea if anyone even understands that fucking joke. Um, John Dunn was a poet, and he wrote a poem um, essentially about being ravaged by God. I did not know that. Just to clarify, he was also a man of the cloth, so he wasn't being sacrilegious, he was being very <laughs> passionate. You reserve your angry emails for those other watch <laughs> podcasts that don't know any John Dunn poems, alright? <laughs> it's just funny, you're reading it, it's just like, oh, you know, God's throwing me over the table, and it's like, whoa, okay, this is, uh, this poem is kicking into awesome mode. <laughs> oh, man. That was in the 1600s. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta give it a read once we're done. <laughs> <laughs> um, 1951, Orient changed, so Tamakeki changed to Orient Watch Code, which we all know. And in 1951, the first Orient Star was produced. The first Orient Star produced here. I'll send you, I'll send you a photo of it. Uh, Orient, the first Orient Star that was produced in 1951 represents uh, the first line of Orient doing a lot of interestingly named watches, themed watches. You know, there's the Orient King Diver, which we'll talk about also. There's the Orient um, Multi-Year Calendar, which we'll talk about a little bit. There's the uh, Orient Grand Prix, which I think was like their odd foray to trying to do like a like a racing-ish inspired watch here. Let me try to find. Mm -hmm. Let me let, 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 let me find a not fucking horrible photo to share with you, Michael. How about how about There's that? There's some pretty pretty bad photos of old Orient stars out yeah. there. It's it's interesting when you start to research the brand, and it's hard to find a good source. 
really understand if these are real watches or fake ones or something. Yeah. Uh, Because it does seem like they made a ton of watches at some point, and I can't really tell what's vintage, what's contemporary. Most most of the Orients that people are familiar with didn't really come about Excuse me. Until the 1980s, a few years yeah. after they made a really pivotal deal to up their movement game. Here, I'm going to slack you this. This is the least shite-ass photo I could find. Okay. Let me... Where the fuck? Here. Oh, that's that David SW posting. Ugh. <laughs> God. <laughs> so bad. So the first Orient Star came out in 1951. It wasn't intended to be a line of watches or anything. It was intended to just be a single piece meant to embody the ideals at the time, 1950, of classic wearability while also being modern. You know, this is modern for the 1950s. Uh, Blue hands, really cool uh, gold-applied markers. Do you see the Orient Star logo? It's basically the same one. Hasn't changed. How cool yeah. is that? This I is think nice. Fucking, I think it's fucking. It's very nice. It's got these like horn, horn style lugs <clears throat> too. That's pretty cool. The only thing I've been trying to figure out is it says chronometer on it. Yeah. They all, not all of them. Some do, some don't. I'm trying to figure out if they actually did create a chronometer version of the Orient Star in 1951. How crazy would that be? Do you think they would send send it somewhere to be tested, or do you think they just tested it in house and said, I, "Oh yeah, this is a chronometer"? I mean, if they were, remember, these are supposed to be exported, mm. so they're trying to attract a market outside of Japan. And in terms of business practices, the inclination over there is to be more forthright and fair than not. So right. I would feel like they probably did send it out for testing. Remember, the issue that we're going to be t- taking a look at here is over the next thirty years, Orient makes. A shit ton of watches, but it's so hard and expensive for them to make movements. They can't iterate it, iterate on it very, very fast. And then, as the watch market starts to explode, they can't make watches fast enough because their movements at the time that they're using are just too difficult to make. With that evidence, it's totally possible that these things were actually chronometer certified and. Fucking where they're wherever they're supposed to be. I, I I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. But like you said, there's just not a lot of uh, information out there. It's pretty wild, you know. So 1951, first Orient Star, just a single piece. Wasn't intended to be a line. Bear that in mind. Uh, things start going really really well for the plan for the entire plan of the Japanese economy and Orient watches as well. Make stuff. Export it. 1951 or 1955, um, Orient began exporting watches to 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 China, which was probably the first really big push the brand had to get watches outside of Japan in like a really structured way. I'm sure they sold like you know little things here and there, but like this was a proper a proper deal. And then in the same decade, 1959. Proper exports began uh, going out to 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 United States uh, and Canada as well. In the 1960s and the 1970s, um, we see a huge, huge push for different uh, watch models. Let me see if I can share a link with you. There's a really cool link that does like a fun, fun breakdown of different watch models that went out. Let's see. 
Yeah, I'll share. I'll share. I'll share you. The, I'll share you this one. You just take a look at it. My Huckleberry friend. There you are. Okay, cool. So, back to my timeline because I had to write this down. Uh, one. Okay, there we go. I thought I'd stop recording there for a second. So, in the 1960s and into the 1970s, uh, we see a huge explosion of different watch models that uh, go out. So, there's the Grand Prix, which I mentioned. There's the multi-year calendar, which is still kind of produced, just with a different caliber. Um, there's the King Diver, which we've seen an interesting resurgence of recently. Um, mm -hmm. Not in the same way this original King Diver came out, in my opinion. There's a King Diver 1000, which has almost like a Panerai vibe. With the case, it's actually pretty. Let me see if I can find, if I can find you a photo uh, uh, of this one. Um, the Super Auto, also the Royal Orient, started coming out around this time. Um, let me send this to you. These calendar ones are crazy. <clears throat> I like it's, that blue. It's really, it's really, really cool. Uh, during the sixties and seventies, there's just a ton of different models that they make, um, and they export out. Let me send you this one. I like the Touch Tron. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Quartz watch has never really stuck with Orient. <laughs> uh, that, is, that is cool. Yeah, yeah the, the, the Orient King King Diver. Um, but then, so 60s, everything's going awesome. Lots of models are going out. But remember that thing I talked about from the beginning, the issue that Toyo Takei, Taba Takei, um, you know, Yoshida Washab, Orient Watch Co. have all been plagued with. It's the difficulty to make the movements and scale on a level that they need to, that became exponentially more difficult in the 60s and 70s because wristwatches are exploding. Remember, this is technically quartz crisis, which means like, yeah, people aren't necessarily buying mechanical watches, but people are buying watches. Um, yeah. And Orient made a conscious choice that even though Casio and Sego were getting onto quartz watches, Orient decided to stay with mechanical watches. There are some quartz watch examples out there. Obviously, you were just you just pointed out that one. But in terms of what the majority of our company is focusing on, it's mechanical watches. And so it was difficult to scale with the movement technology they had. So one of the most significant things that occurred for Orient occurred in 1971. And this is what I think causes a lot of the confusion for people and them thinking Seiko owns Orient. It's just like, oh my god, you bought Orient Mako? You know, there's just three Seikos, right? It's like, no, fuck you, you fat-throated nerd. It's a different thing. In 19... I'm sorry, I, that's, I'm being very mean right now. I just I just feel like being... I don't get to be mean enough. You ever feel I have like those, it, I have those days, yeah. Right? 100%. Feels feel so destructive right now. 1971, <laughs> Orient licensed the rights to produce and modify... The Seiko 7005-7006 caliber movement in order to just buy a movement, buy, buy, the, buy the rights to create and modify a movement that would allow them to make it quickly, to scale, to modify it. And it is that movement caliber, the Seiko 7005-7006, that, that, that Orient was basically leaning into for the next about 40 or 50 years. Um, most Orient models that you will have ever interacted with are going to be built off of the Orient uh, 469 caliber family. You know you have an Orient 469 caliber if you see uh, the little button at 2 o'clock for the day, or the date, I always get the two mixed up. Hmm. 
your your Gen 1 Mako uh, has that function. It has yeah. that function because that is a modular complication they added to the Seiko 7005 to create the Orient 469 caliber. There was also some other modifications, but the, that was the biggest one. They added a little button at two o'clock. So if you have uh, an Orient and it has that button, you have a caliber 469 family movement, which can trace its lineage back to this 1971 licensing deal for the Seiko 7005. To clarify, it's not like Seiko made, it's not like Tudor and Rolex where they're made in the same factory. It just depends what, what dial you put on. <laughs> Completely different, fuck, I should stop doing the neckbeard voice. Completely different fucking factories. This was a licensing agreement to leverage the technology that a company who had been making mechanical movements way longer Remember, if you if 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 Yoshida didn't start making, uh, if she started making watches in 1934. Seiko had already been making movements for what 30 or 40 years. Oh yeah, like come on, you know. So 1971, the Seiko 7005 slash 7006 caliber technology gets into Orient, and a whole new wave of affordable 469 caliber Orients are being created in the 70s and in the 80s. So that's where we get the um, a new iteration of King Divers, which is the ones that they're relaunching now. Um, Orient TriStar series is um, a really affordable dress watch that Orient actually still creates. It has three stars. If you Google Orient Three Star, Orient TriStar, you'll get uh, two broke watch knobs uh, review that former TBW's contributor Andrew Gatto wrote. He did a really, really great review on a lot of cool photos. It's like easily under a hundred bucks. It's mechanical. They're a pretty straightforward, classy-looking dress watch. It's a whole different like variety of options. Go and check it out. Um, and all that was going well. How much time do I have? Um, okay, good. I have plenty of time. 1986. Something interesting happens. So this is where the discussion of where are Orient watches made. This is where I think it gets complicated for folks. So... For a long time, Orient's watches were being made in a particular region of Tokyo. Let me double check. Taito? Ueno, Taito, Tokyo? Japan? Or at least that's where Yoshida's watch shop originally was. And then Hino. And then uh, uh, Hino is another location. What occurred in 1986 was the founding of the um, Orient, of, of the Akita Orient. I'm gonna fuck this up. Saimitsu, Saimitsu uh, Co. Limited. Basically, it's a flag. It's a different iteration of uh, Orient Factory in Akita, Japan, um, which did a lot more technical production. Today, all Orient stars are made in um, Akita in Japan. Also made in a combination of Akita, Japan, and the other location, which I think still might be in Hino or somewhere else in Tokyo, it's the rest of the Orient movements. Orient movements are made for, for regular Orient watches. Everything for, for Orient Star, it's all, it's all Japanese, so just, just put that in your heads right now. If you have an Orient Star, it was probably made in Akita, Japan, and stop, sentence is done, stop thinking about Orient Star. <laughs> Because I'm going to get emails, Michael. Uh, I'm pretty sure my orange car is... No, fuck you. Man, just fuck you. All right? Akita. Like a dog. Okay? <laughs> Great dogs. Great dogs. I would love one, except I'm afraid it's going to kill me in my sleep. They're huge. 
They are. You know, it's like a legal bear. So like you legally have a bear in your house. <laughs> you know, um, Orient. So 1996. Orient movements are made in Japan, but a ton of the production in uh, 1986, a, a ton of the production for regular Orients was moved to China. This is where people get like super confused and super annoyed. Like, oh, it's just like a Chinese made piece of crap. First of all, also fucking racist motherfuckers. Okay. <laughs> Immediately precluding anything made in China is uh, a, a, a POC. You know what I mean? Not point they're of actually, contact, piece of crap. They're actually pretty good at making things. They're really good at making things. In <laughs> fact, they're so better at making things in China that we don't even make anything anymore. Thanks, economy. <laughs> Our economies are, I'm speaking as an American citizen, our economies are sustained by countries that we feel like we're better than, Mexico and China. Well, fuck, fuck us, because if they were making shit for us, we'd be throwing rocks together, trying to make fire, dying in hurricanes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Feeling very angry right now, Michael. But, um, so yeah, in 1986, the Kita, uh, 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 a keto wing of Orient was made. Orient stars are all totally made there. Cases, you know, movements, blah, 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 all the bullshit. Orient movements are made in a combination of that Akita uh, factory and another factory, which I believe is in Tokyo. But then they're cased and uh, everything in China. Not that's not that dissimilar from what Seiko does. Seiko has uh, manufacturing operations in um in, in like Malaysia. And shit yep. like that. Very <laughs> similar. So, 1986. <clears throat> Let me see here. <laughs> 1997 is when Orient Star, as a product line, is made. So, a series of watches were made in 1997 that, were part, that was part of the Orient Star collection. And they were so made in 1997 to commemorate the original 1951 with the addition of... Michael, here, 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 here it is. The controversial power reserve movement. The reason mm. every Orient star has a fucking power reserve movement is because these first Orient stars in 1997 had them. The mm. controversial power reserve. How, what's your stance on the power reserve? The one that's hanging just under 12 o'clock? Usually it's under 12 o'clock. Sometimes they're just off to the side between 2 and 3. I Oh, I see what you mean. Well, that's the one that came on the crazy huge saturation diver and people love that watch saturation divers had them yeah the m4s yeah. and the saturation divers i believe have them yeah. i'm for i'm for these orient power reserves i like the way that they do it either offset between <clears> the one and two or just under the 12 o'clock i think it looks pretty cool i like it yeah i i yeah. I, I like it too so this answers a few i've answered a few questions there's still more discussion we have here um i've answered a few questions are orient and sego the same no go fuck yourself where are Orient watches made? Un, unlike, I mean, I mean, very similar to Seiko, it's a combination of being mainly made in Japan for some of their more higher tier items. Orient Star, all Japan, specifically Akita, Japan. I would love to visit there, by the way. If we ever, if we ever go to Japan, I would love to go there. I think that'd be great. Um, it's a combination of Akita Japan, another manufacturing uh, facility, which I, I'm so sorry I can't remember. I think it's I think it's somewhere near Tokyo, um, and also. Uh, uh, China and I think South America too. The, that, that's modern. That's like within the past like ten or fifteen years. Uh, uh, South America as well. 
Um, but if you buy an Orient Star, made in Japan. But regardless, every Orient movement or every Orient watch that you interact with, the movement, um, fairly certain, was made in um, in Japan. So, like any business, this is just the best way for them to scale. So, we're now in the two thousands. Are you still with me, Michael? Still with you. Okay. In the two thousands, uh, also adding confusion to the does Orient own Seiko thing. In 2001, uh, Epson, aka Seiko Epson, which is a whole other can of worms for you to explain. I'll do that really quick in a second. Um, becomes a 52% shareholder in Orient Watch Co. And then in 2009, Orient Watch becomes a proper subsidiary of Seiko Epson. After that, it's clear Seiko Epson is starting to do moves and exercise more control over Orient to kind of, not groom, that's really creepy, but clearly Epson is exercising some control over designs and manufacturing practices of Orient. It's at this point I should clarify, Seiko Epson is not Seiko watches. Mm-hmm. Seiko Epson is part of the Seiko Holdings Group, um, a business holding group which has uh, Seiko Instruments, you know, Seiko Electronics, Seiko Epson, and like Seiko Watches, I think, as well. But none of those uh, companies actually interact with each other. It's the same thing as what the, what the fuck's Warren Buffett's holding group? Oh, is it I Proctor? Forgot. Proctor? Is it Proctor? <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's Berkshire. Berkshire Hathaway. Hathaway. Yeah. Berkshire Hathaway is a holding group that owns i mean i i just need to put into context because people think oh it's a holding group they're all they're all friends they're all on each other's myspace pages it's like no man uh uh i just need to put into context what the holding group idea means so berkshire hathaway is a holding group in the same way that seiko holdings group is bearing that in mind berkshire hathaway owns dairy queen geico insurance uh i think gillette as well um let's see here dairy queen geico uh, Duracell, Fruit of the Loom, a railway company. Michael, I have to ask you a question. Does Dairy Queen and Geico have a lot of conversations about how to uh, how to share manufacturing processes? I doubt it. I, I hope not. I fucking, just to clarify, I don't want Geico having any stake or say into how my Dairy Queen blizzards are constructed. <laughs> All right. Blizzard flavored underpants. That I can get behind. <laughs> Well, that well, uh, we have to. Then we have to get Fruit of Loom into the mix. So we got to get Fruit yep. of Loom talking to Geico. So okay, let's. So Fruit of Loom has to get Dairy Queen to make Blizzard flavored underpants, and then Geico has to be able to insure them. Insure them, of course. And then hopefully they'll be battery operated. So now we can bring Duracell into the mix. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Seiko Holdings. Those two or three wings, Seiko Holdings. None of them will talk to each other. They don't affect each other's business practices nothing they just happen to be owned by the same holdings group which also happens to like money so they're going to own a lot of fucking companies so seiko epson is not seiko watches ergo seiko epson their ergo seiko watches does not own orient watch co huh. 2016 we start seeing uh the biggest movement innovation in Orient watches since the purchasing of the 7005 technology in 1971. 2016, Orient begins to make new F6 and F7 caliber movements to replace 
all of those old 469 calibers based off that 1971 Seiko 7005 deal. Um, they were originally launched with the new Mako 2, which in my opinion is probably still the best budget, quote unquote, under $150 diver you can fucking buy right now. Hacks, manual lines, sapphire, crystal, in-house movement, like, dude. Yeah, it's can, pretty sweet. Let me, how much, I'm, I'm going to Amazon or fucking that. How much are this, how much is this motherfucker? Orient Mako 2. Let's see here. Orient Mako 2. Of the three versions, the blue dial is 140, the black dial is 117, and the Pepsi is 125. It's not bad. That's not bad at all. 41 millimeters, 20 millimeter lug width, like, oh my God, crazy. I I have a review of this watch. I had one of these in for, for, uh, for a little bit. If you Google Orient Mako 2 review, you guys will, you guys will see it. Um, I have a lot of cool like photos up there and I talk more about like the movement change uh, from the F7, or in this case, F6 caliber movements, um, overtaking the old uh, caliber 469 movements in the Gen 1 Makos. But, 2016 that happened and then 2017 it's the end of the timeline <laughs> i promise uh orient is fully integrated into seiko epson which means technically orient watch co went away i think it's kind of weird for people to understand that because all the watches still say orient but if you bought an orient um in the past two years look at the back of it it says epson yeah, on, on the case back. My oh my new my latest Orient Star Diver says it. Um, I think Jason Jacoli has the Orient Kamasu. His also says it. It's not something that they really advertised as this big thing, but it's definitely something that happened. So Orient Watch Co. as like a little independent business that has like other shared owners. Yeah, that shit's gone. Now it's just owned by um, Seiko Epson, with the idea of Seiko Epson trying to. What I've noticed, and because I was speaking with their brand reps, Seiko Epson is trying to position themselves as an orological, uh, as like a holder of a, a huge orological milestone. Because apparently, Seiko Epson, Epson, the printer company or the electronics company, was pivotal in making the first quartz watch. Not Seiko watches. I'm talking about the combination of like Seiko Epson, like the print, like the motherfuckers that make printers. Okay, there. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's the same people. They had a pivotal role in, I, I could be wrong, I, but I'm, this is how the brand rep was explaining to me. They had a pivotal role in making the first quartz watch. And so when I was speaking to the brand rep, they said, you know, oh, we have a long history of virology. We helped make the first quartz watch. And then in 2017, we bought one. It's like, well, mm. I mean. <laughs> I don't know if that makes you like an neurological milestone holder. You were in the room. Definitely in the room. You know what I mean? But yeah, so that's the end. That's the end of the timeline. Orient Watch Co. is technically gone. It's now Epson. Your dial's still going to say Orient or Orient Star, but if you turn it around, it's going to say Epson. Epson's making all kinds of big pushes to be more, um, like more orological, but they inherited a lot of the issues that Orient Watchco before them had in that they do not understand how to position themselves globally on the market. They still operate with fractured uh, partners. Uh, the difference 
in the two is that Seiko is very constructed and aligned with what its global licensing and like representatives are saying. Like Orient USA or no, no Seiko USA, Seiko Europe, whatever the fuck. Everything is all coming from Seiko head office. Seiko head office controls everything in terms of outreach and marketing. Orient does not. All these different Orient licensing partners that exist, Orient Watch USA, Orient Europe, Orient, I don't know, Slovenia, that's that's probably not true. Um, that's, not, that's not a real one. There's a bunch of other ones, like South America, I think Orient South America, they all operate independently. They can do and say whatever they want. Which is why I hate Orient Watch USA, because they've decided, <laughs> they've decided to create their website catering to a caliber of human that doesn't actually exist. It's that weird, oh, I'm cool and walking around in indiscriminate urban settings while casually checking my time in like an old LA canal where kids are skateboarding now. It's like not real. Like, go to the fucking website. It's not real. Real people don't hang out. I stay away from that website. (laughs) You gotta go just to keep it real, man. Real people don't hang out in canals skateboarding and letting people take photos of them and their watches. Real people do a lot more crying, I think, alone. In like the bathroom at work, you know, because it's a thing. yes, people, yes, so, <laughs> it's definitely a thing. I remember my options. Now it's just I, your bathroom at home. Oh, now it's just now it's just my. At least I'm on home turf. At least I'm <laughs> at least I'm emptying my emotional bowels on home turf, right? <laughs> Instead of a fucking bathroom, I have to muffle my cries so the guy next to me can't hear me. I can't hear. So that's the whole history. I know that was super exhausting. I have some videos to share with you as well because Seiko um, Epson has put out some recent videos trying to like mix themselves more sexy and like cool oh, looking cool. Okay. and everything like that. So I'll share those with you um, and in the Slack and shit like that. And I'll also make yeah, sure... I, f- I found some insane models that I might have some questions about. So I'll share those with you too. There's some... Dave like made... A, a weird mm-hmm. side to Orient that... I want to know more about but maybe for another time they've made some cool shit oh my god okay really quick actually we you, seiko epson i think this is a great place to end it seiko epson has tried to justify the orient logo they've tried to explain the mm. orient logo okay i need you to google orient logo and then just pull pull up a picture of it just pull just when you let me when you have a picture of it in front of you let me know yep got it <clears throat> okay this is basically the logo that Orient Watch Co. relaunched with, you know, in 1951 when they wanted to export watches, when they wanted to appeal to a non-Japanese watch market. Obviously, it looks like it looks like a very westernized kind of European coat of arms. It's mm-hmm. it's two lions holding some kind of crest with like a crown on it. Orient Seiko Epson has tried to explain this logo. Are you fucking ready for this? Ready. <clears throat> The lion on the left represents Orient Manufacturing. The lion on the right represents Orient's retailing partners. So Orient USA and all those motherfuckers, uh, uh-huh. Orient Europe. The crest and O in the middle represents the customer, whereas the crown represents that the customer is always king between Orient Manufacturing and Orient Retailers. None of that is true. None of that is true. That is all spurious. Aspersions I cast upon you, Seiko Epson. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, I have seen... I've been to Cirque du Soleil, so I've seen some fucking gymnastics in my time, but that... That was a stretch. <laughs> right? Can you imagine how much some firm got paid to come up with that? Someone spent all night 
thinking of that. <laughs> they had a whiteboard and like an Excel doc and a trash can full of ripped up posted notes. They spent all night thinking about one line being Orient Manufacturing, the other line being Orient Retailers, the customer being the crest, and the crown saying the customer is king. I see. Huh. I think I just found the explanation on 1000logos.net. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Fantastic. <sighs> That's the whole discussion. If you stayed this long, thank you so much. Michael, do you have any questions? Was that insightful? Are you angry? How do you feel? What's I'm your... very satisfied, and this has caused me to just on the side go down a separate rabbit hole of Orient that we can chat about. But I think I think it was a great discussion, and uh, we're gonna get lots of questions. And <clears throat> I don't know, I'm definitely definitely more interested in Orient now, maybe more vintage than anything else. There really does seem to be a very interesting opportunity for like vintage Orients. Uh, I do want to preference this discussion with this if you have any questions um about our if you listen to this whole episode and you're like oh i have a question for kaz let me email him if your question is does seiko own orient i'm gonna mail you a picture of my asshole and you're blocked and then you're blocked i'm gonna have my poor tired wife help me take a photo of my own rectum and i'm gonna send that shit as an attachment to you if you ask me if seiko owns orient after this entire hour and a half if you still have that question you're going to see asshole. I mean, somebody might just want that photo. Perverts so. need not apply, okay? If <laughs> if you get off on brown hairy dudes, cornholes, you know what? Just don't even... Just go to the internet, okay? You don't need me expending energy to help you get your rocks off. Just go to the internet. Right, yeah. Michael? That's right. Man, that was a shit ton of talking. Thank you for putting up with me. But here, let's let's let's... Let's start rounding it out. Really cool wrist check. Really happy that you like the NATO and the Speedmaster. I'm rocking the Orient Christmas Chrono. I really hope everyone has enjoyed our discussion about Orient watches, where they're made, the differences between Seiko, also where Orient Star came from. It's basically just a thing they started doing in... They made one Orient Star in 1951, stopped, and then in 1997, they brought it back. Oh, if you Google Orient Star Gothic Heritage... That is the latest iteration of their homage to the uh, original 1951 uh, Orient Star. So if you have two seconds, Michael, just quickly Google that because I want to get your reaction on air. Uh, this is very recently released. This is under Seiko Epson. Under Seiko oh. Epson ownership. Look at that. That's a nice one. Yeah, it's The idea is that it's supposed to evoke you know, the original um, Orient Star. I mean, kind of. I kind of see it. Either way, it's a nice watch. It's cool. I think it's kind of big, though. Um, yeah, that. But you know, but I, I don't have specs in front of me. So let us know your thoughts. Hope everyone enjoyed the discussion. Uh, me talking this entire episode was to make up for the fact that you haven't heard me in a while. So sorry if you find my voice grating or aggravating. But whatever. Listen to another fucking podcast. Um, I think that's it. Go and check out the site too, but watchnobs.com. Um, check out Damon's write up on that new Zen. Check out Jason's write up on the Parnas GMT. If you want to get in on the fun, head up, head up patreon.com slash watchnobs. Get on the Slack channel. It's a fucking riot. We do daily risk checks. We complain about work. It, it's the, it's, 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 they're the best friends I've ever paid for. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's exactly it. It's, and it's a, it's a fun distraction during yes. the day. It's nice. I look 100. forward to it. 100%. Really good group in there. Uh, is it that? Is it that sad time? Is it that sad time? 
that sad time, but I'm glad we could do this again. <laughs> Here, let's uh, let's do this. Um, you can. Ah, I don't want to go, but oh, we'll keep talking. Here, let's 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 round it out. You start, and I'll I'll uh, I'll close this up. Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Mike, and this is Kaz. You have been listening to Two Broke Wash Knobs. Later. Later.